this this to me is much more of a you know a must win game for the Saints than the Jaguars game was a few weeks ago. Insofar as you know, this is the kind of competition they can expect going into the playoffs. You, you know, look if you look at the if you look at the NFC right now, um, there are not many teams with, with with winning records. There are not many you know six seven eight win teams right now. It's it's really just. You know, the Eagles with eight wins, the Lions with six, and then you got the Cowboys, Niners, Seahawks, Saints, Vikings, all with five. It, it's, it, it levels out quick after that top tier. And the Vikings are exactly the kind of team that the Saints would be hosting for a playoff game if it started right, if, if the playoffs started today. that's That would be their opponent. It would be the Vikings or the Seahawks, somebody like that. So the, the Saints must prove that, that they can hang with this level of competition and come away with a win on Sunday. And I, I think they have it. Hey there, everybody, and welcome into the show. Ryan O'Leary here, joined as always by my good friend, John Sigler. This is the Saints Wire podcast. We are brought to you by the USA Today Network and available on all the podcast platforms. So go find us, hit subscribe. If you haven't already, join us all season long. We appreciate you. Hi there, John. How you doing? Oh, man, I'm doing doing great. Uh, it's, a, it's a victory Tuesday here for us, and, and uh, it's all, always a good time to talk, talk Saints football after a win, and I'm looking forward to doing it again next week. Yeah, we're over 500 now. So I, I guess my leadoff question to you, John, for this one is how should Saints fans feeling? It was kind of a squirmy win over the Bears, right? Backup quarterback. What's your take on that? Should fans be feeling okay about this one? Should they be concerned? I know the Saints were big favorites coming in and it was, you know, like I said, a squirmy game all the way to the to the finish. Yeah, you know, it was kind of what we were afraid of going into this, that, that the Saints would play down to their competition a bit and you know make too many mistakes and that's what we saw you know you had missed tackles you had, had the, the, the one play that really jumps out to me was uh, I believe it was Daryl Mooney had a 38 yard reception um, and he did it almost all after the catch because he shook out you know Demario Davis Tyra Matthew and a third defender out of their cleats down the sideline like he had three three Saints defenders closing in on him and all three of them whipped and he took off for 38 yards and that that that, that can't happen uh, but it did here and that was that, and that we saw this kind of repeated throughout the game, where the Saints kind of let the Bears hang around uh, when when they shouldn't have. This this is a game that they really should have run away with. So, look, a, a win is a win. Uh, we're we're happy to be back in the win column, uh, to be back over five hundred. Uh, but obviously, they've got some things to work on, and they really, you know, with with the until the offense can consistently put points on the board, convert third downs, and do the things that you know a good offense is expected to do. The defense has a margin for error that is so narrow that where every one of these mistakes adds up. I wasn't too stressed about how, you know, there's definitely some nits to pick and I, and I want to get into some of the nitpicks here coming up, but in terms of like, should you feel good about it? What was it sexy? No. Was it closer than it probably should have been? Of course. Uh, but the, was the game really ever in serious doubt? Did I ever think the Saints were going to lose? No. You know, and, and I think the, the two areas I really look at, John, the Bears had eight accepted penalties in the game for 71 yards. The Saints had one five-yard penalty. That's it. The Bears turned the ball over, as you were kind of mentioning there, five times. Two lost fumbles, three Tyson Bajan interceptions. The Saints didn't turn it over. I think when you dominate penalties and turnovers like the Saints did, you can kind of tell who the better team is, even the better coach team is. I think the Saints are a better football team than the Bears. They won the game, so I'm not going to freak out, but I, I do think like there's definitely some nits to pick, John, right? There's definitely... And the first one is... Another slow start by the defense, right? They dominated late. They killed them in the in the fourth quarter. All those turnovers, that was great. They put the clamps down. 
But since that Patriots blowout, right? And I think that's a good line of demarcation, right? Because the Saints blew out the Patriots 34 nothing, and then they lost two straight games. So if you thought, oh, man, we really learned something about that game against the Patriots. Nope, not really, right? We didn't really learn much. Since that game, it's a four-game sample. The Saints have given up 68 points combined in the first halves of games in those four, 17 points per game. And the Bears were scoring early in this one too, right? They're down 7 nothing. It was 14-14, and it was just like a grind early in the game until the Bears put the clamp down. I mean, I'm uh, sorry, the Saints put the clamps down. The defense had another slow start, John. This is something we've talked about a little bit over the last couple of weeks. Is that concerning you? I think that's my one of one of my first nitpicks. Is that what do you think about it? Yeah, it's it's concerning because a you know a more talented team, a better coached team that, than the Bears is not going to let up on the gas in the second half. Uh, they're they're going to continue to compete and put points on the board. And you know they were fortunate this week. You know they had an inexperienced QB. They they had a team that you know has struggled all season long to score points of their own. And they kind of got away with it here, um, but after you, and they did they did win, and we need to keep that in mind, you know. Um, but man, you just look at it, and anytime you're in a one score game like this, um, you, it's it's essentially a coin flip. And you you really would have liked to have seen, you know, another touchdown drive, another drive ending in the end zone, and that that just didn't happen here. We had some kind of some kind of goofy decisions in the red zone, you know, on fourth down, especially. Dennis Allen talked about that a bit, like deciding to punt here, kick a long field goal there, um, try and convert, a, a, you know, a first down here, or and and it was just there, there were some odd decisions throughout this game that it ultimately it, I think it made things more difficult than they needed to be for the Saints. Um, so they, they've got they got to get it figured out. The good news is again, like, like you mentioned, they have a winning record. Uh, they've they've got the bye week coming up, and they have time to figure out these issues and miscues and clean up the mistakes, and hopefully have have a have a strong and productive second half to the season. A positive on the defensive side, John, is uh, Paulson Adibo was just dominant in this game. Uh, we were talking before we hit record. You think it was the best game of his career? A player you've been a little bit critical about on Saints Wire on Twitter on on the show, right? So. What'd you think of Adebo's game in this one? Yeah, he did. He he played out of his gourd. Um, he, he he looked it looked like a Stanford boss in the Debo out there. Um, he had t- two interceptions. He broke up three passes. He he punched a fumble out and then recovered it himself, which does not happen very often. Uh, he was second on the team with seven tackles. Um, he he was all over the place. He he was you know a just a dominant player for the Saints in this game. And most importantly, he didn't draw any penalties, and that, that's what I've really been critical of um, about him and his game. Uh, you know, throughout his career with the Saints, is that he he gets fouled so often for defensive pass interference, um, and he has not been flagged at all in either of their last two games. He, he's had interceptions in each of the last two games. He really peaked here against the Bears and j- just played fantastic, and and he he really looked like the player that the Saints envisioned him to be when they drafted him, uh, when they gave him these opportunities to start earlier in his career. And right now his arrow is trending up and you couldn't be happier for him. The offense, John, um, has been good this year in like extend or win the game kind of situations. But in Sunday's fourth quarter, you know, we kind of hit on this earlier. The execution by the offense and the kicker at times was close to a disaster at times, right? You had three separate drives where any points probably would have ended the game. You know, the way your defense was playing, if you just got to 10, if they just got the lead to 10, I think it, it would have been over, right? Uh, I, you mentioned the decisions for it down. Do you kick the field goal? Do you go for it? What play do you run? All those decisions Pete Carmichael and the Saints were dealing with. I mean, fourth, the fourth and one QB sneak with Derek Carr 
I freaking hated that. And I'm sure you didn't love it either, John, right? You could put Taysom Hill in there. You could give it to Alvin Kamara, or you could just kick the field goal and go up 10 points. And the game would have been freaking over, right? But to do the whatever, the rush to the line, Derek Carr, push tush thing, for that thing, like, I hated that. And I just think teams need to just rip that out of the playbook, especially the Saints. Just get that out of your game. Let Taysom Hill or Alvin Kamara handle the football on fourth and one. You know what I mean? I just... I hated that call, but just the broader topic here is the offense. Obviously, they've had struggles in third down situations, John, red zone situations. But here, I mean, they've been good in the situation where they need to score to tie the game, extend the game, go win it. But now we're seeing them struggle against a bad Bears team when they could have just put it away with any kind of score in that fourth quarter and they couldn't do it. So that's my nitpick on the offensive side. What do you think of that? Yeah, I agree. You know, that, that, that fourth and one especially, I, I understand what the Saints are trying to do. They're trying to hurry to the line, uh, QB sneak it, and, and and pick up a first down, keep that drive alive, and just, just eat the clock. That, 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 that was the idea there. And, you know, look, they, they've had Derek Carr do the QB sneak twice uh, before this season. Uh, or before, before this game earlier in this season, and he converted both times. So from so from their per- perspective, this this was a safe play. You know, the offensive line should have been able to get that uh, distance, and it should have been an easy conversion. And and obvious, and, and it wasn't obviously. You know, it, it was sloppy. It was poorly executed. And they probably do have better plays in the playbook. You, you know, I know they don't want Taysom Hill doing the QB sneak. He doesn't have much experience uh, with taking snaps under center. The, they've actually done, tried this before with him on, on like a third and one against Atlanta last year, and he fumbled it. <laughs> he fumbled the exchange. And so then they, he probably would have had to go in shotgun, and, and maybe it would have been a different play call in that situation um, that, from their perspective, probably would have been riskier. So I, I get why they did it, but if you're going to make that decision there, you, you've got to execute better than, than they did. Uh, th- that's just pretty cut and dry. So, um, man, I will say, you know, we – Dennis Allen has rightfully drawn a lot of criticism for, for kicking the ball away too often um, in, in different positions, whether that's, you know, settling for a field goal when he shouldn't or punting inside enemy territory, whatever it may be, you know, and, and that's something he's still got, got to kind of work on as a head coach in those, in, in those spots. It, it worked out for him this time in a couple, in a couple of ways, you know, the decision to punt from the, from the Chicago 39, they were able to down it in the good spot, uh, force a quick three and out. Rashid Shahid had a good return, and, and then they were able to uh, get points out of the next possession. So it worked out for him that time. Um, too often, it, it hasn't. And, and hopefully that's something that they can kind of uh, figure out and you know execute more efficiently and make, make better decisions uh, in the weeks ahead. Taysom Hill has just been – what a story he's been the last four weeks especially – uh, you know, there's articles all over the place, Saints Wire and beyond about him setting this NFL regular season record or he's set history with his touchdown against the Bears. He joins uh, Frank Gifford. I don't know, John, are you are you old enough to see Frank Gifford play? Probably not. No, no. My, you know, my, my dad, my uncles have get, talked about him a little bit when, when, when we were praising Taysom Hill <laughs> on Monday. Um, but that, that, that was before my time. But yeah, man. So Taysom Hill uh, became just the third player in NFL history uh, to have uh, 10 touchdowns as a passer, as a runner, as a receiver in, in his career. And he's the first guy to do it since Frank Gifford did uh, way back in 1957, as was, was whenever he, he met that goal. And uh, before him, it was uh, Tr- Charlie Trippy, a l- leader of the old Chicago Cardinals million dollar backfield. Uh, who, who set that record back in 1953. Um, so this is, you know, a generation in the making. 
here for Taysom Hill. And he, he's draw he's drawing a lot of praise for it. And it, it's just really cool to see. I mean, I mean, he had technically he had already, you know, done this. Um, he had, ha he had the receiving touchdowns in the playoffs, uh, but we, but now we can remove that qualifier from it. He's done it in the regular season, like everybody else. And he's, he's going to be, you know, recognized at the hall of fame, uh, in, in the display al along with those two hall of famers, um, you know, but both Gifford and Trippy uh, have already been enshrined. I, I don't know that Taysom's ever going to get a bronze bust in Canton. I think it would be awesome if he did. Uh, I just don't know that he's quite there, um, but you know his, his name and his his achievements uh, they're going to be recognized there and that that is just an awesome accomplishment for him to to, to see it's incredible and i think you know Taysom would be the best story in the NFL if it wasn't for this Joshua Dobbs for the Vikings who we're going to talk about here coming up in a little bit when we get into the game against Minnesota but you know just these last four games three rushing touchdowns one passing touchdown one receiving touchdown uh so he's got 47 passing yards as well, 210 additional scrimmage yards as a rusher and receiver. So he's dominant. If you picked up Taysom Hill on your fantasy team, you're dominating right now. If you could put him in your tight end spot, I mean, he could win you the league if this continues. And But he's the same guy, right, John? He's the same player he's always been. I'm not seeing like a, a faster or more physical Taysom Hill or anything. I'm seeing the same player. So what's behind the recent success, right? Is it the quality of defense that they're facing Pete Carmichael, is he just developing a better feel of when to use him? Is there a better feel with him and Derek Carr? You know what I mean? Like, it just feels like something has clicked with the Saints in this Taysom Hill package. And ever since that game where they peppered him with targets and treated him like a real receiver, a real tight end, ever since that game, something has been unlocked. I don't know, if John, if you have any insight on what that is. But when Taysom's getting the ball, good things are almost always happening. It's kind of wild to see. Yeah, man. I, I think it's his usage right now. He, he's getting more you know, usage now than he did with Sean Payton as, as coach, where he's getting more rushing attempts. He's getting more targets. Uh, he's getting more opportunities to impact the game. And I, I think a lot of that goes, goes to Pete Carmichael recognizing that, Hey, that Taysom Hill is out, He's our most explosive rusher. Um, he's a very efficient receiver and the threat of the pass really does open some things offensively for us that we're not getting with, by having other guys in there uh, in different personnel packages. So it's, it's working out really, really well. Uh, Taysom, it's it's funny. He has always seemed to surprise defenders with his speed in the open field. He, he's a much more effective uh, playmaker than he than he's maybe gotten credit for in the past. You, you know, you, you see even now you see people who are like, oh, I don't care what the stats say. Uh, he, he's a gimmick and a gadget, and he, he he's really hurting the offense. But when he's averaging, uh, you know, five and six yards a carry, <laughs> and and uh, picking up a first down on like what, like forty percent of his attempts or something. I, I mean, he, 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 the guy is playing good football, and he's helping the team. And Saints fans love him. And more and more, we're seeing him kind of get 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 his due credit. And you just couldn't be happier for him. If you're into fantasy football, he was he was rostered. I think it was sixty to seventy percent fantasy rosters going into Week Nine. So those numbers are shooting up. If if you have a chance to get Taysom Hill, if you're a Saints fan, you're playing with a bunch of Saints fans. You probably there's probably no chance. Saints, Taysom Hill's probably never been on a free agent in those leagues. But if you're playing in kind of a random league and Taysom Hill's still available, I mean, now's your time. You could stick him in your tight end spot. You might go win your league. He's gotten 17.8 fantasy points uh, per game in PPR leagues over the last four weeks. Uh, maybe Corey Bonini will recommend him as a start in Week Ten. I know I'm starting him. I picked him up, and I am just laughing to the championship right now with Taysom Hill in my tight end spot, John. Right now, that's that's exactly what I'm doing. But Let's see if Cordy Bonini recommends uh, Taysom or, or any other Saints in Week 10 against the Vikings. It is 
fantasy starts of the week for week 10. We'll get that and then we'll be right back. Corey Bonini here of TheHuddle.com to bring you fantasy football strong plays for week number 10. Quarterback Geno Smith, Seattle Seahawks versus Washington Commanders. Quarterbacks have posted at least 279 yards and two touchdowns in five of the last six contests against Washington, helping make this matchup 32.3% better than the league average in that time frame. Smith has more or less been a fantasy anchor this year, but he has the weapons to get the job done here if you're in need of a warm body with a plus matchup, given the likes of Patrick Mahomes, Matthew Stafford, Tua Tungavailoa, and Jalen Hurts are all on by. Running back Brian Robinson Jr., Washington Commanders at Seattle Seahawks. Let's take a look at the other side of this matchup. On the ground, running backs have averaged 21.8 attempts, just over 116 rushing yards, and a score per game in the last month against the Seahawks. This matchup is much stronger on the ground for Robinson to exploit than via the aerial game, which is where we'll see Antonio Gibson step up. You can find solid RB2 worth here, and Robinson has a rather sturdy floor based on his workload. Washington is going to look to keep Geno Smith and company off the field, and relying on Robinson is the smartest way to accomplish that. Wide receiver Marquise Brown, Arizona Cardinals versus Atlanta Falcons. Quarterback Kyler Murray returns this week, and he'll look to reconnect with Brown. The Falcons have given up the 10th fewest receptions per game since week 4, but this is the easiest opponent against which to score a touchdown in that time frame. 7 of the 55 grabs, or 1 every 7.9, has found the end zone, and this is the third best matchup for PPR efficiency. Brown is a risk-reward wide receiver 3 with number 2 level upside. Logan Thomas, Washington Commanders at Seattle Seahawks. While we typically look to diversify the players and matchups we choose, it's just hard to get away from this one. There's so many angles where fantasy owners can take advantage, especially with so many quality players on by this week. Despite maintaining a consistently valid target share, Thomas has produced erratic results and has a rather low ceiling, especially without finding the end zone. He's a weak flyer for a score, but the volume data against Seattle suggests that he could be a favorable play with a reception-heavy showing in PPR scoring. For more award-winning fantasy football news, tips, and advice, please be sure to check out The Huddle. All right, we are back. The Saints are setting up for a playoff push, John. uh, I wanted to ask you, like, how seriously should we be taking them, right? They enter week 10 with kind of this weird anomaly in terms of the schedule. Not all of this is their fault. They're five and four, but they don't have a win against an opponent with a winning record yet. Okay, so uh, it's hard to kind of get a real feel about this team. There's some stuff that you really feel good about the defense. The offense has had its moments. It looks really explosive at times. Other times, it looks like it's stopping its, you know, stuck in its own tracks, killing itself on third downs, red zone opportunities, stuff like that. So, how seriously should we be taking the Saints as they set up for this playoff push? Yeah, man, this is this is a hot topic among Saints fans right now. My, my take on it is that this is absolutely a team that can catch the Seattle Seahawks or the Dallas Cowboys on, on a bad day and knock them out. That they have the talent on defense to shut down any offense in the league. They, they, they can make it happen. They, they have the corners and the safeties who, who can run with anybody that, that can, you know, make a that can make a, any quarterback look bad. That, that, I, I really believe that. Um, the pass rush isn't really there, but it's not going to be there as long as Dennis Allen is the head coach because he, he is a, you know, a, a pass co- coverage beats rush every time. That, that's who he is. He, he, he played safety. He's always coached defensive backs. Um, that's his philosophy. And, this is this to me is much more of a you know a must win game for the Saints than the Jaguars game was a few weeks ago. Insofar as you know, this is the kind of competition they can expect going into the playoffs. You, you know, look if you look at the if you, if you look at the NFC right now, um, there are not many teams with, with with winning records. There are not many you know six seven eight win teams right now. It's it's really just 
you know, the Eagles with eight wins, the Lions with six, and then you got the Cowboys, Niners, Seahawks, Saints, Vikings, all with five. It, it's, it, it levels out quick after that top tier. And the Vikings are exactly the kind of team that the Saints would be hosting for a playoff game if it started right, if, if the playoffs started today. that's That would be their opponent. It would be the Vikings or the Seahawks, somebody like that. So the Saints must prove that, that they can hang with this level of competition and come away with a win on Sunday. And I, I think they have it in them. Now the Saints are, are they're going to be two and a half favorites in this game on the road. We're going to talk about that one here coming up. The bye week, I think you mentioned earlier, John, is coming up here in week 11. So that comes at a pretty good time. And then you have a really interesting stretch. You have um, at Atlanta, that's a team that's doing its musical chairs at quarterback again. That's just what the Falcons do, I guess. And it's also a team you've beaten seven of the last 11 times, I believe, uh, Saints-Falcons. So winnable game for the Saints there. Then you come home against the Lions, which should be a nice barometer. That'll be a fun one. But then you wrap up after that Lions game, which will be tough. You have a string of games that I think are all in your wheelhouse, right? You have Carolina. You have the Giants at home. You have the Rams, who don't have a quarterback at the moment. You have at Tampa Bay. And then you have home against the Falcons, right? Like, it's possible, John, that the Saints, couldn't they win like 10 or 11 games at the end of this thing, have a decent playoff seed? But you you look back and you say, man, where's the signature win? I don't know if we have a win. Like, they might be in the playoffs still searching for that first signature win of the season, right? It is like kind of a baffling spot to be, but I could easily see the Saints being in that position with 10 or 11 wins at the end of this. Yeah, man. And that, that's what I predicted, you know, back before the season started, uh, I, I called them an 11 and 16. And when I kind of updated my, my predictions going into that Jaguars game, I said, Hey, there's still a path to 10 wins here. Like this Saints team, they should be in the playoffs and that they should have a good matchup in the wild card round and that th- they should advance. Uh, that's kind of the expectations here. And it, it, it's totally feasible. And if they can take out this Vikings team, like I'm expecting them to, um, you know, Joshua Dobbs, awesome story. Couldn't be happier for that guy after getting moved around from one, you know, kicked around from one team to the next uh, over the last few years. And never really, never really catching on as a starter uh, for him to come back, take out the Falcons the way he did. We, we appreciate that forever. Uh, but he, he's got to take this out on Sunday. And I, I think the Saints are well positioned to take care of business against him. You know, C.J. Stroud is the only rookie quarterback they've lost to this season. Uh, they're, they're, the secondary, I think, can do enough to kind of limit his opportunities. It's going to fall in the pass rush. And the Vikings don't have a great offensive line. Uh, the Saints, we've really got to see it from Cameron Jordan, Carl Granderson, Brian Brzee. Uh, the defensive line has got to bring some pressure this week. They've got to contain Dobbs. Uh, that, that was a serious problem against Tyson Badgett, where he was just taken off and running uh, in, in the open field unchallenged. Uh, they, they've got to do a better job containing the QB, uh, be, be, being aware of, of that of that threat to run. Uh, but this looks like, a, the, the, to me, the, the, this game is going to be much more telling than, you know, I keep going back to that Jaguars game. The Jags are, in, they're going, they're, they're probably going to, to that conference uh, title game. Uh, the, they're going to be a problem in that conference in the playoffs. Um, they're kind of on a different level than the Saints are right now. Just to be honest, like like, just to be blunt, that that's that these teams are in two different places. However, the Saints and the Vikings they're much more comparable. You know, they're both five and four. They're they're both you know kind of competing for that last wild card spot or, or competing for a wild card spot. I should I should say. And to me, this is going to be a much more informative game. Like how the Saints ha- handled handle Dobbs, how they respond, what the offense is able to do against that defense. Um, you know, th- th- this, if, if the Saints don't win this game, I'm, I'm going to be, I'm going to be souring on them uh, pr- pr- pretty badly. Uh, 
just because this is a team that they're kind of fighting on on, on a level playing field. So it, it should it should be a competitive matchup. I, li- I like the Saints here, um, and it, it might be another close one. You know, winning by a field goal. Too many injuries on the Viking side, right, John? I mean. Obviously, Kirk Cousins done for the year. They've got Dobbs in there. He just got there, right? Like, it, like you said, it's an amazing story. Like that, just like that was the most fun game I think of the weekend. Watching the Vikings come back, Josh Dobbs come back and and get the Falcons there. Uh, but can Lightning strike twice? Can he do that to the Saints? I mean, I I think that's a stretch. I don't know about Justin Jefferson. It, it sounded like he was still unsure for Week Ten, coming off the hamstring injury. They had traded for Cam Akers, the running back. He's now out for the year. He's gotten another Achilles. TJ Hawkinson, their star tight end, he's banged up. I mean, I think he's going to play, but he's he's dealing with some stuff. So I, I don't know. I just think Minnesota, at one at some point, all these injuries got to catch up. Now, they're a plucky little team. I think they've won four in a row, right? They've actually, they're undefeated since Justin Jefferson landed on IR, which I think is kind of interesting about their team, right? They've really, they've made a nice comeback this year, and they've kind of saved their season. Uh, but I don't know. I'm I'm with you on this. I think it's a good spot for the Saints. I think those injuries on the Vikings side have to catch up. And I think Joshua Dobbs just getting there, uh, it, it has to catch up to the Vikings, and it gives the Saints a pretty good advantage here. They should be able to go get them. I would be I'll be sour as hell as well, John, if they lose it. But you know, there's a couple things that I guess can worry you, right? I mean, the fact that you know we don't really know how. Kevin O'Connell is going to call the offense when he has a full week of practice with Joshua Dobbs, right? We don't, we don't really know. Like there's not much to prepare for here. Uh, Dobbs has a little magic in him and we know he can extend plays and use his legs and all that, but I don't know how much you can take the film from the the Falcons game and really equate, you know, and really translate it over and say, okay, this is what the Vikings going to do because that was just like a, a unique situation where he didn't even get first team reps, right? He was teaching the offensive lineman, his cadence on the sideline. It was, just remarkable. What a story. It's going to be different now with Dobbs in there for a whole week, them preparing. He's already been named the starter. So I guess that worries me a little bit, right? And I think the other thing that would worry me too is if the Saints are going to, you know, dink around on offense and have a chance to put the game away and not do it and let the Vikings hang. If the Vikings can hang around a little bit, we know Josh Dobbs has a little magic in him, right? So uh, I guess that would be the worry, but I feel pretty confident. I think I, I agree with you. I think the Saints are in a really good spot, but is there anything, any credence to that? Anything like the fact that there's really no Joshua Dobbs Vikings tape that you can really rely on? So the Saints are going to have to feel this thing out early in the game, I think. It's going to be one of those games where maybe it's a, a slow start for both sides, trying to feel each other out and figure out how this game's going to be played. I, th- I think there's some credence to that, especially because the Saints, you know, have, have the, the defense has had some slow starts as of late. And I could, t- I, look, man, I can totally see it in my mind's eye right now where Josh Dobbs is taken off for, for like 14, 15 yards at a time on the run and just, just scrambling and, and outrunning Demario Davis and outrunning Cam Jordan uh, to pick up a first down here early on. I, I can totally envision that happening. Man, and, and again, I, I mean this with no disrespect to the guy, but let, let's keep it real here. He's not someone that teams have started for any length of time, probably for a good reason. And I, I don't think that he'll be able to, you know, get out there and throw for 300 yards on the Saints and score four or five touchdowns and just really, you know, challenge them uh, for 60 minutes. Um, this is a game the Saints should win. It may it may be frustrating uh, right out of the gates, um, but I fully expect them to to, to rally around. Uh, you know, the veterans on this team, the guys who have been here for years and years, who, who have seen it all, 
and for, for them to ultimately come away with, come away with the win. It, it may not be pretty, you know, but that, that that's kind of, <laughs> that's kind of been the story for this team in recent weeks. Um, but I, I fully expect them to come, come away, away with a win. Yeah, that that'd probably be my feel in the game too. I think it could be ugly early on um, in this one, and then the Saints kind of figure out what kind of game it is, make the adjustments, and yeah, go win it. I I agree with you, John. I, I I'm not too worried about Dobbs lighting up the Saints in this game. I just I'm not that worried about it. I don't think lightning strikes twice in the same spot. Great story for Dobbs and the Vikings against the the Falcons. I think their little winning streak ends here. Uh, but there, wild things happen when the Saints play the Vikings, right? I don't know if you can stomach writing any articles. That, have you looked back at the Minneapolis miracle, John, at all on Saints Wire? Have you have you done anything on what? There was another wild game, I think, in 2020, 2020. with Drew Brees where they, like, the, didn't the Saints win a game like 52 to 33 or something? There's wild things happen when these teams uh, meet. And I know they played in London last year, right? So you guys working on anything for Saints Wire about the history between these teams? It does get wild sometimes. Yeah, you know, we'll look back at some some of the recent games. Um, we're not going to dwell on, uh, you know, the, the the that one playoff game you just mentioned. We, we only talked about that, but um, you know, <laughs> but you know, Alvin Kamara ha- had had his uh, his, his uh, five touchdowns uh, game. Um, you know that that one last year in in London what was ridiculous. Uh, you know, Will Lutz with with the field goals and the one that went and the one that didn't. And, oh, man, th- th- these teams definitely have a history. And it goes back, you know, gosh, it goes back to 2009. You know, Vikings fans are still angry, um, you know, at, at, at the Saints for beating up poor old uh, Brett Favre. <laughs> the, the, there's a rivalry here. You know, it, 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 it there really is. And it goes back a while. And it, it really bums me out that the Vikings are such a likable team because because it, it's, it's hard to uh, cast them as villains here. But, you know, we'll persevere and we'll do what we can to spin this and uh, mock them and um, patronize them as, as best as possible and uh, get, get Saints fans worked up going into Sunday's game. Yeah, that'll be that'll be easier after the bye when we have the Falcons. Right, John, that'll be an easier one to kind of mocking and hate the opponent. Oh, absolutely. Cannot wait for Falcons hate week. Uh, one thing I do want to mention before we cut off here, uh, Justin Jefferson is not expected to play in this game Uh uh, per ESPN's Adam Schefter, he, he appeared on, on the Monday Night Football pr- uh, pregame show, talked about this a bit, said Jefferson is close to coming back, but don't expect him to return for this Saints game. So th- that would be a, <laughs> a pretty big difference maker if he's able to play and come off of injured reserve. But right now, it does not seem like that's in the forecast. Just, just kind of felt like we, we I forgot to mention that to you to, before we got started here to just kind of want to end, end on that note. And uh, hopefully things go as expected on that front. There it is. That's John Sigler. Uh, check out John and the crew's work on the Saints wire. They'll have everything injury reports, the the official word on Justin Jefferson. That is good news. Although the Vikings have won every game without him. So it's like 4-0 without Justin Jefferson. Hopefully that's not a bad omen. For John, I'm Ryan O'Leary. Thanks as always for joining us on the pod. Subscribe if you could. Tell people about the show if you like what you hear. And we will be back next week. Next week.